Are you tired? Feeling groggy? Every night, billions of people around the world solve this problem by sleeping. And if you like sleeping and are wondering what to sleep on, then this week's presenting sponsor has the product for you. Check out The Floor, the most ubiquitous and accessible sleep surface on the planet. The Floor is available not just in the U.S., but globally. It's in every country, city, town. In fact, if you're in a building right now, you're probably really close to the floor. The floor is available in a variety of different configurations, ranging from different colors, different styles, even different levels of firmness, so you can find the floor that's just right for you. There's even an outdoor version called the ground that's available everywhere you can't get the floor. It's kind of amazing. The floor doesn't bother having a return policy because the company is so confident in their product, they know you won't return it. Use promo code DUSTY to save 100% on your first order. The floor. Sleep on it. Welcome to episode four of Rajam Radio. I'm your host, Pavan Rajam. Hope you're doing well today. Today's episode is a continuation of my conversation with Zach Khan, who leads podcast marketing at Vox Media. We continue our talk about podcasting and the podcast industry, so you'll definitely want to listen to episode three before you get to this. Zach and I had a great conversation, as always. And I think you'll enjoy it. Here's that talk now. So, so you mentioned business models. Um, for the most part, the monetization strategy seems to largely be, uh, you know, uh, host read or just embedded sort of sponsor reads. And now that we have some, you know, data from uh, Apple with podcast analytics, it's it's clear that uh, those ad units are very successful, right? They are, people aren't skipping them. Uh, you know, the ROI for the advertisers is pretty high. So I, so that's one, but I've also noticed there are other, there are other uh, both apps and providers trying to do their own thing that that's outside the sort of yep. traditional sponsorship model, right? You have like Earwolf, uh, which is another podcast provider that's all, you know, I believe they do Mark Marin show. Um, yeah, they're part of mid roll and stitch. Right. That's all one in the same. Right. So they, right. Cause I forgot about, well, that's also another thing, consolidation with the industry. Um, but, yep. but, um, and that's how you know the heat, the there's money there. Um, but, uh, <laughs> That uh, they have some premium subscription offerings. Um, I know uh, TuneIn Radio, which is another sort of audio product. Uh, they're based in San Francisco. Um, they have a sort of premium offering, and they even have their own sort of catalog, right? Like I went to search for this show on their service, and I had to actually submit it myself. Um, oh God, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, and 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 to their point, maybe that's a good idea, right? Maybe that's how you avoid the sort of uh you know, YouTube, uh, you know, having all this sort of fake content 
you know, trending, but uh, that's a separate issue. Yep. Um, yep. <laughs> where where do you see uh, you know monetization strategy going uh, beyond uh, sponsor reads? I mean, because and even within the media, again, like, and sorry to ramble on this question, but um, within the medium, no, there's a lot of room to play, right? I mean, like you have the serious sponsor reads. You can have the ones that are just read by. I know David Axelrod sponsor reads are read by not him sometimes. Um, uh, you know, although I think he's just started doing them for select brands. I think I heard one recently. Okay. Um, But again, like that signals another shift, right? right? Like that's happening. Yeah. Um, Um, sometimes you'll have a friend of the show, like Kylo Ren or a demon from the bad place (laughs) come and read the, come and read the sponsor read. Um, yeah, but uh, I'm curious. What's his talent fee like? Is he, is he pretty reasonable in terms of rates? Like how, how does he? How does he he's, charge? He's he usually... he's very picky. Um, and if you interrupt him during the read, right. uh, you're not going to get your recording equipment back in one piece. Uh, so this was uh, you got yeah, you got to keep it to one take, and the script has to be really tight. Um, yeah, he seems pretty intense about it too, right? He seems like he's just you know he's sort of angry and and stewing, and he just kind of yells yeah. into the into the mic. Uh, but I guess it's I don't know. Some people are into that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Um, yeah, booking him was quite intense. Um, <laughs> but anyway, sorry. Back to, back to the topic. <laughs> um, so, so you have you, you know sponsored ad reads um, within the show. Uh, where else do you, you see monetization going? Yeah. Um, so I, I think if you again to sort of almost go back to the beginning of this conversation, you look at any other. Uh, medium that carries content, text, video, um, they don't have one business model, right? Uh, there are there are certainly primary business models, right? The way in which a lot of publishers are primarily prim, uh, primarily monetizing their text content is through display advertising. Uh, a lot of the ways in which publishers are primarily monetizing their video content is through branded content video. Um, and so, but that's not, you know, at the expense of, you know, banner advertising, display advertising is not the expensive branded content advertising. In fact, the two complement one, one another. Um, and then you've got, again, like you mentioned, paid subscriptions. Um, and so I think what you'll start to see is more and more types of advertising uh, move into audio, um, some of which will be birthed by, the, again, the unique characteristics of audio in the same way that content is birthed. Uh, different content types and genres have been birthed by the unique characteristics of audio. You'll start to see advertising that feels particularly native to to audio as a format. Um, and then I think you'll start to see sort of some crisscross, right? Um, uh, depending on sort of, I guess, where it sits in the stack, the, the degree to which it influences content. Um, so I think you'll see, you know, subscriptions, um, whether it's a Netflix model or if it's a sort of per creator, per show, per network model. Um, I think you'll start to see uh, branded content. Um, so, I mean, you see you see this in radio now, right? Like not all of the radio hosts are doing radio spots. You've got commercials. Um, and so I think you'll start to see aspects of that move into podcasts. Um, I think you'll start to see people monetizing based off of where podcasts are distributed. So if they uh, are distributing, you know, on a, a, a paid, if I can use the Apple embed, right, on my, on the verge.com and I can, you know, more effectively sell the advertising space around the embed where people are listening than the actual content itself. I'll do that. I, I don't know if that's going to be true, um, but or at least not for a company of our size and what we prioritize. But it might be true for some independent creators like uh, 
uh, some of the more independent podcasts. <laughs> right. It might be true for you. Exactly. Um, it could be true for the talk show and, and Darren Fireball, right? And so, uh, yeah, I think you'll. For, I think the the sort of theme of what I'm saying is you'll start to see more business models, um, some of which are native to the platform, some of which are adopted, um, and I think you'll start to see um, you'll start to see investment that will change some of the ways in which people have valued certain decisions, right? So right now. Um, you're starting to see Apple open up about analytics, right? Why is that happening? It's because advertisers are asking for insight into uh, what they're paying to to surround, right? Um, as more and more advertisers and as different types of advertisers move into the space, they'll be asking for more and different things. Um, I think right now podcasts have had a really good balance, you know, in part because Apple has a really strong stance on privacy um, of saying, you know, we're not going to get to the point where, you know, it's like the web and there's pop-ups and there's all kinds of, you know, crappy trackers and things like that. I think we, we have learned that lesson. Um, and I think we will we will adopt that um, perspective when it comes time to making decisions about where the platform should go. But I think right now we, we probably are for mainstream sustainability too far in the area of, of privacy and of restrictive access. Um, I should be able to know as a creator or as an advertiser who is listening to the podcast and like what they're doing and how they feel about it. Uh, maybe not how they feel. That'd be a little creepy, but, <laughs> but you know, where they're coming from, uh, I can ask them how they feel. Um, and if they want to tell me, they can. Um, so I, I think you'll see, you know, more analytics. I think you'll see, um, um, more, uh, more sort of platform level changes that facilitate the growth of existing business models or the adoption of new, you know, these new business models, you know, famously, Marco said, I'm not going to do any of that stuff. I think that's, that's fine. And I think there's, he's going to have an audience of people um, who will participate in that just as Apple has an audience that participates in their values on privacy and on tracking. But I think you'll have an audience that is more akin to Google, for example, or Microsoft or Amazon that says, you know, I'm acceptable with a, a level of tracking if you provide me value in exchange, right? If, if you are asking for all this information about who I am as a person and what I'm doing, I better have damn good content recommendations, right? right. And I better um, have more and more reason to come back into your app um, because of the services that you're providing me. And I think people are, you know, are willing to make that exchange. Um, and so on the whole, if you, if you believe this stuff to be true, there'll be more business models, existing models will get stronger. Um, there'll be more and more native to the platform. Um, I think that's all a good thing because it allows people to uh, make more money, to increase the production, to bring on higher quality talent as guests or as hosts, um, to pay more in terms of marketing and promotion. Because um, right now, a lot of it, again, it, go back to the earlier conversation, is organic and word of mouth. Not many people are putting up billboards for podcasts um, or TV you know, advertising for podcasts, though I think uh, while that industry on a whole, those two industries are declining, there's people who, who respond to that stuff and you might as well attract them to the medium. Um, and I think those are on the whole good things. Um, and so, yeah, we'll just have to strike the balance of, are, are we reaching too far to a point where it's harmful to the user experience and, and into users' long-term interests, people's long-term interests? Um, or are we doing just enough to be able to satisfy as many people to, you know, the furthest extent possible so that we can continue doing the good thing. Um, and I, yeah, I think it's up to, to people in the industry of, from all sides, from the content side, from the marketing side, from the sales side, to be able to keep in mind whenever they're having these conversations with platform partners, with, 
clients, uh, the Caspers of the world, the ZipRecruiters of the world, to, to always prioritize the listener experience because I think everything else follows, right? If you have a great listener experience, people are going to continue to participate. If you make it uh, crappy, um, people are not. And so um, that's sort of like the North Star, so to speak. And if you follow that, I think everything else will sort of fall into place. So one of the biggest sort of business models in media right now is uh is subscriptions, right? You know, paywalls on print on, you know, online media subscription, obviously uh Netflix and and uh Hulu and Amazon Prime, all subscription based products, uh Apple Music and Spotify, going on on and on. Um how do you feel about subscriptions in the realm of podcasts and in particular, what do you think of the notion of the sort of platforms, the Apples and Googles and Spotify's of the world participating economically in that context, right? Like if a, yeah, and that's two questions. I'll, I'll, I'll kind of jump in a, again, but I'm curious what your thoughts are here. Yeah. Um, that is, uh, that's a tricky one. Cause, um, you're sort of trying to balance in that question um, a question of what are our values, like what, how should content be treated sort of in a vacuum, in isolation? What are our principles that inform the ways in which we uh, create and discover content? And then what are the uh, incentives that allow us to continue our business model, right? And sometimes those two things align and sometimes they oppose one another. I think, you know, to take an example from us, like we don't have a paywall um, yet, right? We don't have a subscription model yet. Um, that's not to say that we won't, um, but I think our CEO, Jim Bankoff, and a lot of the editorial leadership is uh, values the fact that our content is free and accessible to anyone that has access to the internet. Um, and I think that's really meaningful. I think that uh, reflects values. And then also, you know, you can say that even though everyone's sort of adopting paywalls and subscriptions is not necessarily working out in this in the way that many people might expect it would. Um, on the flip side, you know, people are willing to pay for content uh, and people are willing to pay enough in the case of like Ben Thompson and Stratechery, for example, to support uh, and even go above and beyond, you know, an independent creator to the point where they are they are completely satisfied. Um, uh, so I think I think I would expect a platform, whether it's one that exists now, um, like an Apple or Google or Spotify or a new entrant. Um, whether it's a known one like a Netflix or an unknown one uh, to adopt subscriptions. I think subscriptions on the whole make sense, right? Like it, that is a, that is a exchange of value that has dated back to the dawn of time that people understand that people appreciate and respect. Um, and so I think one of those, I mean, you see it now with Stitcher, like it exists. I think it, it will probably gain a bit more prominence. Um, but like, does, does Apple do it? I don't know. I kind of, they Apple specifically, right, would be probably the last one to do it because they want to see that that is a proven model first. They are sort of the the late to the game, but bet like or best at the game. Um, I would probably see Google or you or, or through YouTube introduce something like that. Maybe you know Susan Wojcicki at Code Media recently said that YouTube Red, which many people thought was just a way to consume YouTube videos without advertising, is actually a music service. That's the first time I've heard her position it that way. Um, but if YouTube Red is also a great way to consume podcasts, boom, you've got a podcast subscription service from from YouTube, from Google, uh, from Alphabet, going right. all the way up the chain. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, so 
I so I guess all that's to say I wouldn't be surprised if they did. Um, they will if they, whether they do or not will reflect the ways in which they value business models and value people's access to content. Um, and if I guess you line it up based on how people currently how how platforms currently value content and what they currently say, um, I would be surprised if Apple was the first, but I wouldn't be surprised if Apple did it. Um, Spotify is going to do it, I'm sure. Um, and I think that's healthy. Again, it goes back to like having more than one player, you know, uh, on the field. <laughs> look at that, look at that sports <laughs> metaphor. Wow. Uh, you, I think they they sort of complement one one another and they make the entire sort of system work, right? Yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, I personally, as a as a listener, wouldn't have a problem paying uh, Apple to listen to podcasts without advertising. I wouldn't have a problem paying. Crooked Media uh, and the folks who do Pod Save America and Love It or Leave It access for actually I like their advertising maybe maybe not we're not that. using um, the the but, the no know. ads app <laughs> right we're not using the other apps uh, <laughs> um, uh, but but to the, so so to that end yeah. um, my you mentioned the like an Apple you know charging a subscription for Atlas podcasting but I. The framework I think it would be more they would be more open to doing would be something akin to you know the the other most democratized media type that they offer is the app store right and and yep. there's you know their sort of the growth of their services business has just been like facilitating payments and e-commerce within that context right like you don't subscribe to the app store but you subscribe to content via the app store. Uh, do you think, you know, if, if Apple or someone, again, let's keep it as broad as possible, but if there was a way to directly, you know, offer subscriptions or some sort of monetize, direct monetization method um, through the clients themselves, right? You know, akin to an app store style model. Do you think that may, that might be better than the sort of like bundle economics that don't really make sense for uh podcasts but do for music? Yeah, I mean, yeah, so that that's literally the the point I was going to make like they they don't do it for the app store right now, but they do it for music, right? They've got a paid music subscription service that uh sort of encompasses the entire catalog. They've also got a free service, right? Uh and they've also got a pay as you go service, right? And so they've that's probably just more of a reflection of the sort of legacy of iTunes as a platform than it is of how they think that, uh, you know, every single content type should be valued. I don't think they believe that the app store should have three different models necessarily. Um, but I guess you could say it does, right. It's got to pay per app and a free and with in-app purchases. So I don't know. I, I think I, I could see Apple again, wants to make podcasts big and they want to do what's in the best interest for their platform What's in the best interest for their platform is to keep people on it and keep people coming back to it uh, and keep and encourage new people to join it through them um, and to make it all sustainable. And I think if if a blanketed paid service is the way to do that, then they do that um, as long as it doesn't come at the detriment of the user experience or of the content. Um, I think, you know. People complain that Apple has been so slow in terms of, you know, I even I, I've complained that Apple is so slow in terms of um, developing podcasts, right? It going from a hobby to a sort of more serious initiative, but at least they're not doing what Facebook's doing, right? Where they tell publishers, hey, 
you know, make everything social video. And then, you know, actually turns out social video is not great for every publisher. And we're going to reduce the amount that, you know, it travels in newsfeed. And uh, if you join us, you know, on Facebook, it's really just an experiment. And, you know, not everyone should join it. it it's sort of uh, the whiplash that you've seen from Facebook over the past 18 months um, is almost sort of immature. And, and so you have to sort of respect Apple for uh, their ability to sort of take a longer view uh, and to make slow um, um, improvements to the platform such that nothing is at the detriment of the, of the platform, right? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, and so I, I think that there could be tremendous value to audiences, to creators, to advertisers, if there is a blanketed paid service, um, whether it's from Apple or not. I think, um, I think especially, you know, to, to touch on the advertiser perspective, right, that, that might encourage them even more to do branded podcasts, right? Um, which by all accounts have, have really put storytelling first and have turned out to be um, as good, if not better than other editorial content. Um, and I think it, you start, you might have to reassess the question uh, or the answer, you know, once a model like that's introduced and once its effects are felt by every single constituent and see, you know, is it really helping um, or keeping stasis or is it actually at the detriment of any one party? And I think if it's if it's at the detriment of the audience, uh, then I think it's probably a bad idea. But I, I just don't see I don't see that to necessarily be true. I don't see that to be um, the case. I don't know. I don't. I you look at any other subscription service, and it's not actively harming people. It's just putting up a sort of gate, uh, you know, a barrier to people. But I don't know if that's harming them necessarily. So. Um, yeah, I mean it's. For for me, there's a there's a I think at least one podcast that I like support through Patreon, and they have like a subscriber only uh, podcast feed, and they'll post it both with and without the ads because it's a comedy podcast, and some people like the ads. But um, <laughs> funny how that works out, and they'll also do bonus episode and stuff. I know, right? <laughs> um, but uh, there there's that sort of um, again that that kind of goes back to like centralization to some degree, right? Like how like you know, if there is a customer who's willing to pay for something, but you you can't reach them directly through whatever they're using to listen, that kind of sucks as a provider to some degree. Um, totally. But um, but uh, that I, I yeah. yeah, I was gonna say like I, I don't think I don't think you like Apple's not gonna create a uh, Patreon, right? Like they're not um, gonna create a service that if if more and more podcasts move into more and more of these siloed directories right if spotify has a directory and google has a directory etc um i don't think that they will then take the step to create a uniform layer that allows creators to continue monetizing podcasts um i think that if if they offer anything like that it'll probably still be constrained to their platform um and i you know i wouldn't be surprised to see patreon uh in the same way that i would hope social platforms you know move into finding more and more ways to better accommodate audio as a channel. Cause I think they're really good about video right now. Um, audio, I don't know, less so. Um, and I, I, I think right now, like things are good, things are working. Um, and things don't even in the next year appear to be in a state of, of sort of impending doom. Uh, they only seem to be going up and up and getting bigger and bigger and more meaningful to people. And I think maybe if you sort of, if you end up where you're at the point where like you're on top of the cliff 
and you're looking over, maybe that's when you start to, to question, well, should we have a service like this, a platform like this? But I think we're, we're ascending the mountain right now, right? We're at the sort of, you know, midway point on the roller coaster. And, uh, and I think people are, are really excited. And I think the thing that's also really healthy is that we have the benefit of hindsight. We see what's going on in music and in video and in things like that. And I think people, people in podcasting right now are incredibly smart and they're making decisions with those, with those factors in mind. Um, they're not doing it in isolation. Um, and they're, they're also not doing it where they're trying to recreate radio. Um, I think there's, you know, I, I never worked in radio. There's, there's enough people who are in this industry right now who are sort of digital native and who understand, uh, the value and the, the sort of constraints of, of, uh, digital media and of social platforms. And I think are, are making decisions based on that stuff. And, um, yeah. And then, you know, maybe, maybe we should check in in like <laughs> three years or something and see how things are going. But uh, yeah, peak yeah. podcast is not a thing yet. Um, it's, it's funny how like this conversation like kind of keeps kind of bouncing back to them to some degree, but, um, yeah. Home pod has the word pod in it. <laughs> Oh, it does. Yeah. Um, so HomePod launched. Um, they're featuring the daily quite prominently in some of their marketing creative and like how tos and all that stuff. Um, and and the sort of adoption of, you know, I mean, HomePod's position as a high quality speaker, whatever. But the sort of like smart speaker market, right? The thing where it's like your interface is yep. voice. Um, and it's, it's, it's interfacing with you via audio, not via anything on the screen. Um, it sounds like it, I mean, that is a, you know, podcasts are, are the sort of native thing for that. Right. And I think, you know, you see that the sort of Siri news briefs that, um, um, Apple is, you know, working with content providers to produce, uh, for HomePod and Siri, where you, you say, you know, the hot phrase and then uh Siri will give you news from any of these given providers. Um really the question here is how do you think um as as a publisher how do you think about smart speakers and this whole sort of new emerging um you know form factor and UI it really is a, essentially a UI for for accessing this content. Totally. Um if I if I just if I'm allowed to back up for one second, I think there's there's three different emerging platforms that are going to help podcasts become even bigger. Um one of which is wireless uh headphones and uh earphones, right? Um AirPod being a prime example of that. Um as you know, more and more people have uh mobile devices that they rely on every single day that don't have a headphone jack, right? And rely on Bluetooth and things like that. I think um uh it is easier uh, to get into uh, podcasts um, because I think making an investment in wireless audio is an investment. I think people want to recoup the investment, so they find ways in which they can, you know, make the most use of that. And music's obviously one case, but podcasts are another, uh, and it's also just a very enjoyable experience. So I think as wireless earphone adoption goes up, so too will podcast adoption. Smart speakers being probably number two, um, and then. Uh, smart um, car systems being number three, CarPlay, Android Auto, um, who knows what comes next uh, or who knows how those platforms evolve, but um, they can obviously accommodate podcasts. And I think those three uh, in unison tied to already just mobile listening um, 
and desktop listening to some degree, um, I think will continue to make podcasting a bigger deal. But smart speakers in particular, because they are growing so quickly, because there's so much investment in the past 18 months into them, uh, from a hardware, from a software or services perspective, you know, I'll, uh, to kind of borrow the the overused term, but I'll do it anyway because I think it's accurate. It's still early innings, right? It's still um, the beginning of this as an ecosystem. Um, I think people feel the effects of that, right? Smart assistants are actually really not that smart, uh, and they're therefore smart speakers are not that smart. Um, and I think that these platforms are going to be meaningful because you can see as a consumer, there's an obvious benefit to being able to say something and a computer doing something on your behalf and having to physically type or navigate to it. Um, and uh, so we're not there yet, but we, we will be. And I think we can get there pretty quickly. Um, and as the, as the speaker gets smarter and smarter and as it's able to talk to more and more things throughout the home and as the audio quality gets better, and as there's more and more just plain speakers, let alone connected devices, but speakers in throughout the house, you get more and more reason to invest as a uh, platform provider, more and more reason to invest as a publisher and invest as an audience member. Um, and so I think it's going to be a really big deal. I think I, I might have said this earlier, you know, most of the listening happens on mobile. Uh and I think you'll start to, as the experience of listening in the home with a smart speaker gets better, that's going to shift because we know a lot of uh, mobile listening is actually still happening in the home, right? People want to listen to the daily while they're getting dressed or preparing breakfast or showering, right? Um, and so if I can use another device to better accomplish that task, I'm going to, especially if I value the activity that I'm asking it to perform. Um, and as the success rate for, you know, uh, hey, Dingus, you know, play the daily uh, is is better and better and higher and higher. I'm going to continue to develop a, a sort of stickier relationship with it, right? I'm going to depend on it even more. Um, so yeah, I guess all, all that to say, uh, smart speakers are not there yet. Um, there's still a lot of ways to go uh, pretty much across the board. Um, but I think everyone can feel that they're going to get there. Um, and people are working to get there. And, you know, I'd be interested to see what happens when, when you start to, in the same way that uh, people, Uber couldn't exist without the presumption that you'd have an internet connected phone on you at all times. What starts to happen when you've got a smart speaker in everyone's home and you presume that it's intelligent enough to be able to interact with it? Do you have interactive podcasts? Um, do you have podcasts that are um, uh, more designed around uh, the activities that you do in the home, uh, like cooking, um, do you have advertising that is designed around, I mean, we're doing this to some degree with today explained, Sean has a, some pretty nice shout outs to the mattress brand that we're working with about, you know, <laughs> getting a good night's sleep, but, but do you start to design, uh, advertising around, um, you know, different interfaces and different activities, and uh, yeah, guiding... that could only happen. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Context. Exactly. Um, I think the answer to that stuff is, yeah. And that's like incredibly exciting, right? Especially if that stuff becomes meaningful. Um, so yeah, I, you know, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to get a home pod. Uh, I don't use my Alexa to my echo to play podcasts. I'm probably not going to because of the state of the platform is just, is incredibly sort of, um, you know, elementary to some degree. Um, and I'm just fine with my, with my phone playing that stuff. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, you know, 
I think it could be really meaningful and, and not just deepen the connection with people who already listen to podcasts, but I think if it's incredibly easy for my mom to start a podcast uh, through a smart speaker, that might be the way that she gets in, right? And she becomes part of this ecosystem. Um, and that's really meaningful too. Uh, I yeah. mean, it, I want to step back for a moment because I framed this original question around smart speakers and yeah. it, your answer illustrated to me how much of like a freaking Silicon Valley bubble I live in because yeah. <laughs> I've had, I've had AirPods since literally the day they were originally available. Um, right. and I've lived on CarPlay <laughs> for the last two years, like this month. So, <laughs> so those, th those other two use cases are ones that are just like, I just take those for granted now. Right. Like, I mean, um, yeah. the notion of having not like, you know, I, I will do this where I'm like, my phone's sitting on the Qi charger next to my bed and I'm sitting like two rooms over, uh, listening to a podcast, controlling it with my Apple watch. Like, uh, that, that's, yep. that's yep. not the mass market use case. So, um, but it, I mean, it's a clear example where things are, are possibly going. Uh, I don't want to prescribe my, and that's another one, right? I, the, the Apple watch doesn't have a podcast app, right? doesn't have a built-in podcast app. And can you imagine what happens when you put one on there? Um, what happens to all the millions of devices, active devices that are out there? Do people start listening, especially if they already have, you know, wireless headphones to podcasts? Right. Um, I think the, I think the answer is yes. And then all of a sudden you've got, you've deepened the engagement of podcasts because you've, you've removed a barrier for people to listen and you've potentially even created a new pathway for people who haven't considered podcasts before, right? If someone's a fitness nut and they don't really listen to podcasts and aren't particularly, you know, technically inclined, but someone gave them the Apple watch as a gift because it's a really great fitness tracking device. Um, maybe that's the way they get into podcasts in the same way that, uh, <laughs> you got into it with a, with a PSP. Yeah. Uh, right. And so that's incredibly exciting. And I think, um, we are, we are again, like at the very early stages of this stuff and it's already pretty good. Uh, and we'll get better. Well, except for smart speakers, but, <laughs> and we'll, we'll get better. And as it gets better, there's less and less of a reason to say, no, I'm not going to listen to a podcast or I'm not going to spend this time listening to it. And, and therefore there's, you know, greater attention. There's a bigger audience that begets more investment that begets all kinds of new creators moving to the space. And, and we go back to my favorite snowball. Yeah, I mean, yeah, even the even the car thing, right? Like, uh, I don't know the last time I listened to terrestrial radio. Um, it was yeah. probably like sometime in like January twenty what twenty sixteen before I got CarPlay. Um, yeah. and yeah. a lot of people don't necessarily have that yet, right? Like, uh, you know, when I got my new car back in August of last year, they gave me a free Sirius XM subscription for a year. I have not used it a single time. Like it's, they, they keep yeah. sending me stuff in the mail. And I don't use it cause podcasts and Apple music. Um, and so, so I, this is a good moment to like step back and be like, wait, no, my life is not normal. <laughs> um, totally. But then what happens uh, to take the serious example when Howard Stern's contracts up and he's like, you know what? I've had my, my great run at serious, but uh, you know, I can go be a, in the same way that he came to Sirius, negotiated a crazy good deal from him, brought his existing audience base over, and then like quadrupled Sirius's business. What if he did that for a podcast service, right? One that exists or doesn't exist. What if Google signed him to a crazy multi-million-dollar contract to 
uh, broadcast a show there. All of a sudden, you got people who are leaving Sirius XM in droves to follow uh, Howard Stern because people follow people. And now all of a sudden, overnight, Google Play uh, Podcast, whatever you want to call it, is a uh, is a serious contender. No pun intended. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and yeah, I think um, that that's kind of wild to imagine too, right? And th- that th- that audience that follows Howard Stern is probably a different audience than the one that's already listening to podcasts. And so you know, then what happens to discovery and and to content creation, right? If you assume that this audience, this perhaps older male audience exists, uh, what new shows pop up and what new talent flocks to podcasts as a platform to be able to serve that audience? Um, that's so do you think, do you think original exclusive content is going to be a thing in podcasts the way it's been for video? Short answer. Yes. Um, I think there, there are too many, uh, the incentives might, be too great to say no to something like that. Um, and I don't know what effect that then has on the podcast market. That might actually, then then you might cross into to sort of harmful territory where, you know, the, the podcast market is so decentralized, so disparate, uh, each, each platform so disparate from one another that it's hard to be able to enjoy the medium in the same way that we're able to now. Right. Um, I mean, you basically fall down into the, yeah. into the, uh, the sort of fragmented mess we have with streaming video um, where it's like, I have like all this content siloed in different apps and like Apple needs to make the TV app to make this not a shitty experience. Um, right. Right. Um, and you, you, so you might get that right. And, and uh, that's interesting though, because that comes from, you know, obviously cable, which is like a, a crazy legacy business, but, you know, podcasts are sort of, uh, emulating a lot of the different decisions of TV as an industry. Um, and Howard Stern could be the, the ESP, you know, the equivalent of ESPN for radio, uh, that sort of props up the entire bundle. Um, so yeah, now actually that, that I'm thinking more down that, that train of thought, that's, you know, that's not a great world to live in at the same time, you know, I pay for Netflix and I pay for, HBO and I'm I'm a happy consumer of both. It's not the best experience, but it's not preventing me from watching Game of Thrones or Curb Your Enthusiasm and you know Black Mirror and Stranger Things, right? Um, and that sort of then goes back into what's what's interesting about podcasts. that's not true for TV is that you've got a crazy amount of independent creators, right, um, who are a louder and more important voice for podcasting than they are for TV. And so they might be able to sway platform decisions in a way that independent video makers can't necessarily do for TV, right? They're, they're basically upending the entire TV system because it hasn't served them. And so now they're creating a new version of that with YouTube right. uh, and, and Facebook. Um, I think now this sort of goes back to the earlier point of people and in the industry making decisions with this knowledge uh, top of mind that, yeah, I think, people value independent creators um, in a way that they didn't before. Um, technology sort of democratized content creation and uh, therefore uh, independent creators have a greater uh, a seat at the table and a greater sort of uh, stake. And um, that I think is, is, is healthy. Uh, it's why the medium exists as it does today. And I think it's why it will continue to thrive uh, moving forward. So we've talked about how the sort of listening experience has changed, uh, you know, with, with these form factors, um, 
you know, with, with smart speakers and, you know, smart, smart infotainment systems and cars and, uh, AirPods slash like, I guess people call them hearables, which is, I, I don't like that word. Oh no. no. And then what's worse, hearables or internet of things? I think internet of things. Yeah. Both of them have yeah, terrible mouth. Like, ma- both of them have terrible mouthfeel. <laughs> um, okay. Let's, let's not say them anymore. <laughs> And then obviously you, you you did touch upon like Apple Watch and and how you know podcasting on that could be also be a thing. Um, yeah. What about um, like on the content side? Circling back to that, you know, we've seen this news about Pod Save America going to HBO, following in the footsteps of uh, Two Dub Queens, which is I think yep. their their last special airs this Friday. Um, and then uh, you know the news about the Daily that. Uh, that they are going to be distributing via uh, was it American Public Radio uh, starting soon? That's right. Um, yep. So, what are your kind of thoughts on that podcast going multi-platform? How do you balance like the medium with um, going into a different medium format? Right? Because I guess in the case of Pod Save America and Two Dope Queens on HBO, like it's not really a podcast anymore, is it? Or is it? Like I I don't know, right? Because like so many right. of like. You know, there's a string of Pod Save America episodes that were all just live shows, uh, yep. and they work without visuals. But um, you know, they they'll probably work really well with visuals. And I mean, you could even say the same thing. Funnily enough, about like David Letterman's stuff on Netflix that just came out. Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, I mean, that could be a podcast, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's funny we mentioned that because <laughs> I was dev- like one Saturday morning I was watching the the George Clooney episode or the Obama one and. I was just like in the kitchen with my AirPods on, listening to it playing on my Apple TV. <laughs> it was like totally, I don't know, totally. Um, yeah. Uh, but so, yeah, lots of thoughts here. Um, I hope I remember them all as I'm talking. Um, I think to almost you know to go back to the beginning of the conversation, we were talking about how podcasts really started as people porting radio programs into podcasts, right? Um, that's true for any new platform, right? I mean, people's idea of what the iPad could be for media was to basically recreate the magazine. Um, obviously, that has not turned out to be true. But but basically, the exercise that people go through is how do I take the existing thing and port it to the new thing? And almost all of the time, uh, 10% of that stuff works because it's adaptable and 90% of that doesn't work. And then we invent what the next 90% of it's going to be, right? And so we invent what blogging is and we invent what, um, you know, what Google AMP, right, as a container for for text on, on mobile. And so uh, we, we basically do this thing where we go back and forth and we create things that work multi-platform and things that are specific to the existing platform. You can almost make the same analogy for apps, right? You've got web apps that work across devices and systems, and you've got native apps, right, that are tailored to specific platforms, but work on less overall platforms. And so it's this constant sort of tension with with how do I reach the most amount of people um, with this core set of like intellectual property with like these, you know, specific characters arranged in a specific way? Um, and how do I create the best possible experience for the medium that I'm already in? And so we go through this this tension when we cross platforms uh, from one to the next, um, and we go through this tension when platforms become bigger, right? When podcast becomes a mainstream thing, uh, and you've got talent uh, flocking to it. Um, and so, look, I, on the whole, 
I, I love it. I think it's fucking great. Um, I think it's a it both makes it makes sense for the continued prominence and growth of podcasting, right? That that it is just in more places and uh, in different forms and you know creates different relationships with people and develops new relationships with new people. Um, I think it's great for ex- those other formats, right? Like podcasts are um, on the whole because they're longer. Um, more um, substantial, they lead to more substantial and thoughtful conversations. And if we can, in some way, carry that back onto TV, awesome. That's a win. That's a win for TV. It's a win for podcasting. Um, can you imagine taking? Uh, actually, they're doing this right now. CNN has David Axelrod. David Axelrod has the Axe Files, his podcast, and they're actually moving the podcast to be the. I think it's the Friday or Saturday night program on CNN. Uh, and you've got really thoughtful conversations that David Axelrod hosts with, you know, leaders in in government and in media. Um, and if we can if we can consume all of CNN with really thoughtful podcasting, CNN will be a much better place uh, uh, than the Jeff, sort of talking head. Jeff, Jeff Zucker, Zach Khan has fighting words for you. Oh yeah, come on, Jeff, let's go. <laughs> um, Look, you know, they're obviously optimizing for a different thing, um, which is which is, you know, it's serving them well. I think it would serve the public well if they optimize for a slightly different thing. But anyway, uh, Jeff, meet me outside of 315. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, what, an, what an odd and such a nerdy way of saying I'll fight you. <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, so, yes. So it is great for both the host medium and for the sort of ported medium. Um, and then new stuff emerges from this, right? So, like, um, what if it turns out that uh, the stuff that we're doing at Vox actually makes a lot of sense to be a, a show on Netflix, right? This is something that we're doing. And what if actually, like, the explainer format or, you know, Ezra Klein as a personality is actually – you know, Netflix is sort of the peak expression of that in the same way that the New York Times has found that audio is is one of the best expressions of the New York Times with the daily. Um, that's awesome. That will lead to um, a whole, you know, new series of different, you know, programs that will delight audiences that will attract advertisers and continue investment. We get to keep doing the, the thing that we're doing that makes people happy. Um, so. Um, yeah, I, I, what I'm curious, what I don't want to see um, is people doing this sort of lazy slap. Oh, it's, you know, it works as a podcast, so it has to work as a TV show. No, that's not true. Um, you've got to make adjustments. Um, and I hope people make those adjustments. And um, and I think, like, for example, the New York Times is going to do that for this was this was Nick Qua. Uh, who writes the fabulous newsletter Hot Pod and, and sometimes in Vulture and in Neiman Lab. Um, his question was, you know, what does the daily sound like on radio? Uh, how does it change? How does it benefit uh, audiences who listen to the radio? How does it benefit the Times overall audio operation? Um, and I think those are reasonable. Those are good questions to ask. Um, and I hope, and I think that they'll have thoughtful answers to them. But I think I hope everyone who pursues multi-platform uh, experiences has thoughtful answers. Um, so yeah, I love it. I think we're going to see a lot more of this stuff. Um, you know, to, uh, to bring it back to us again, we are part. Basically, the way we're organized is that we've got um, our TV business and uh, the Vox Media Podcast Network are all under one uh, leader, um, our president. 
and so there's a lot of sort of coordination happening between those teams. Um, and you're seeing it with Gimlet now. Gimlet announced Gimlet Pictures, right, which is formalizing their effort to create, to translate the IP that is developed in their shows onto different platforms. Um, what I would be excited to see is, you know, we're starting to see people move into podcasts as TV. I'd like to see more and more podcasts as movies, um, which I don't think has been fully explored. We haven't had the, the serial sort of moment of of that transition. Peter Peter um, Jackson like, uh, Peter Jackson directs the the talk show part one. <laughs> yeah, or Ryan Johnson starts a podcast, right? Or uh, <laughs> what does what does a um, uh, what does one of the uh, fictional um, podcasts uh, like the message that was co-created with GE look like as a movie, right? That, that's sort of like a parody horror. I don't know. Um, I think that there's interesting opportunities there to explore um, that have been uh, not as thoroughly explored at this moment. Um, not for any lack of interest, I think, but it just, we haven't gotten there yet, but I'd like to see that. Um, and then I'd also like to see like some of the crazy ideas. I almost think, I think of Nintendo when I think of this is like, no one would have thought Nintendo would create cardboard accessories that attach to your, what is it? $249 mobile plus uh, mobile console, right? Like nobody, it's such an out of the box idea, but actually, you know, caters to a whole new audience and enables a whole new level of play, which ultimately drives back to what Nintendo exists to do, which is enable people to play and have fun. Um, and so like, what is, what are the sort of out of the box ideas, right? Um, that, that stem from podcasts, like what does a sort of like pop up experience that's not a live podcast festival look like, right? What if you could inhabit the world? of a specific podcast um that might be interesting i could see the mcelroys for example doing something like that like what is the adventure zone right um and uh and i yeah i'd like to see more of those things because i think that it goes i mean it, it sort of goes back to what we're saying earlier which is um it pushes the medium uh in a way that can enable the next wave of adoption and investment right it will it will create inevitably a serial moment um, that we'll look back on and we'll say, yes, that is what led to, oh, everyone has an escape the room for their podcast, right? <laughs> um, hopefully that doesn't happen. That, that might be a little weird, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I'd like to see, I think this will continue to happen. Uh, I think it will continue to birth all kinds of interesting and thoughtful experiments. I hope the people involved continue to be thoughtful about the ways in which they execute this stuff. Um, yeah, and then, you know, uh, again, we'll, we'll see where it goes. Yeah. What do you think other mediums and media types can learn from podcasting? Like, both from, like, a business perspective and from, like, the the actual, like, production execution format perspective. Because I think, the, um, yeah. you know, the, the, you know, podcast obviously has its roots in radio, but there's also, it's learned a lot from, like, true crime TV and documentary and obviously comedy, right? I mean, like something like Two Dope Queens, uh, you can trace the roots of that back to something like The Tonight Show being a showcase for comics, right? Um, yep. So w- what do you think are the things that other mediums, uh, particularly with the shift to on-demand and non-linear content across every media type, um, where do you think, uh, what do you think those media types can, le- you know, what do you think video, music, whatever, can learn from podcasts? Totally. So this is this might sound 
typical for the sort of more business marketing person in this mix. Um, but I think other mediums could learn that advertising can be incredibly creative um, on other mediums uh, that, that rely on a sense of um, editorial investment, right? And so, and I think, by the way, people can distinguish uh, when an editorial person says something and they believe it to be their personal opinion and when they're doing something because there has been uh, influence from an advertiser, whether it's an endorsement or just a plain old read. I think people are savvy enough to understand the difference. And especially as we continue to pursue this type of execution, people will become accustomed to it. And so they'll expect it and they'll they'll be able to you know parse it. And so, yeah, the, 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 I guess it's a two-parted thing. The, the, the first part is um, advertising can be incredibly fun and silly and interesting and and part of the overall experience of the product. Uh, and the second is people can distinguish advertising from content as long as it's obvious. And I think it, when it relies on an editorial person, it is obvious because they're going to make it obvious, right? Um, and uh, maybe that maybe that sparks a third, which is like, just be fucking clear about what it is you're doing and people won't have a problem. I think the people who disguise branded content as native content or have some sort of fancy terminology to make it, to trick you into experiencing it um, are the the bad actors in the equation. Um, I think if you call branded content, branded content and say, we're going to make the best fucking branded content that we can, and you're going to get to experience it. And if, if we don't, if you don't like it, don't watch it. And then we'll have to come up with better ways to create better branded content. Like, that, that I think is a healthy cycle. Um, and so I think that that can be ported back to, to other mediums. Um, and I just, yeah. And I, and I think people should just, uh, say what it is that they're doing and, and people respect that, right? Like if you told me, like, I don't know that you had to say something because you're part of a company, right? Like I'd understand that. I'd understand the tension that you're trying to walk there. Um, if I'm hearing from Casey Neistat that he got to do a really cool video because Samsung paid him a bunch of money to do it, um, fine. I can choose to continue watching it knowing that that is what's happening or I can opt out of it, right? Um, it's when he says, you know, this not until the end of the, the video or if he doesn't say it at all or if some other creator doesn't say it at all, that's when people get annoyed because you feel like you're being duped. Um, and too much of that happens in other mediums, but it doesn't happen in podcasting. And so I hope people take that from podcasting. Yeah, I mean, it, it's funny how much kind of, I think as BuzzFeed was very ascendant in 2014 and the, and the buzzword, pardon the pun, was, um, was you know, <laughs> native native advertising, right? It's like, oh, like the ads yeah. don't look like ads, they look like content. And it's like, and a lot of old school, you know, media types were like, oh, this is duping people. Like this is misrepresenting views. And it's like, well, if you're upfront about what you're doing, I don't think anyone really cares, right? <laughs> totally, totally. And and by the way, like it, if you're upfront about it, it it creates a level of transparency that elicits a level of honest feedback that then improves the overall product. Like when we do our best branded content, we did a we did a commercial for Ben and Jerry's that was about why ice cream tastes so good. Um, like that's something I'd watch. And like if it's using Ben and Jerry's ice cream and it's tied to Ben and Jerry and they say Ben and Jerry's over and over again, fine. Like. I can choose to opt in or opt out of that, but but don't trick me into thinking that this is something that it's not. Um, and yeah, and so I think uh, you know we we are taking lessons from that. Like we are we're not creating just Ben and Jerry's advertisements. We're we're doing these explainers that lean on the sort of you know insight from our, our editorial team um, that I think provide value to people. Um, uh, we did another one that was like you know why. 
um, why is the financial system sort of constructed as it is in America? And it's like, this is a thing that like, I've been asking myself for a long time. Like, I have no idea why the stock market is the way it is and why banks work the way that they work and what, what credit. It, I, I mean, I, I confess ignorance to this stuff. And there was a five minute video paid for by Zelle that explained this stuff. And like, yeah, sure. It had like, and by the way, Zelle's the best way to do this stuff. And like, all right, I see what you got to do to pay the bills. But like the rest of it was meaningful to me. Um, and I think, yeah, that, that comes from not being afraid to call a spade a spade and leaning into it in some respect. Um. Yeah. Cool. Um. That's the most dismissive, <laughs> like, unintentionally, unintentionally dismissive. Cool. Ever. Cool. cool. Great. Great ad, Zach. It's it's the, this little box that's the emoji box that has the word "cool" in it or "okay" or <laughs> yep. That's not my yep, intent. Yep. So my thanks to Zach for uh, coming on this week and and having a good chat with me about podcasts. Uh, if you want to follow Zach on Twitter, he's at ZCon. That'll be in the show notes. Uh, if you want to follow me, it's at Pavan Rajam. Uh, also, will be in the show notes. If you like this week's episode, be sure to subscribe and uh, review it in Apple Podcasts. Give it a recommendation in Overcast or whatever podcast plan you use. Uh, share it with your friends, all that fun stuff. Oh, well, what's that sound? Well, this is my cue to uh, go play my guitar. Uh, Thanks for tuning in this week, and uh, we'll see you next time. Hit it.